legend. They have sailboats, someone said, and as unbelievable as that seemed, high in the Allegheny Mountains, no one doubted it. As to mythologies among the club members about their mountain neighbors, there were none. Mythologies require curiosity and interest, and the members felt neither. Their train trip to South Fork from Pittsburgh was direct, the landscape beautiful. The presence of the other did not impinge on them. At the lake they led an unencumbered, peaceful life, a summer idol, the life they felt they'd earned. The streets of Johnstown proper were laid on a grid, as if its founding fathers had a sense that order was essential, that the gods smiled on any enterprise that had precision at its core. Maine, Washington, Lincoln, Vine ran east to west. The north to south streets included Walnut, Union, Franklin, Park. So touchingly American, those names, so infused with a sense of home. Only Stony Creek Street had a curve and sway to it as it coursed around the southern edge of town, shadowing the river whose name it bore, street and stream both winding toward the point where the little Connemaw River, which bordered Johnstown on the north, joined the Stony Creek and a newer, faster, deeper river, the Connemaw, formed. Just downstream from this juncture was a great stone railroad bridge, its six arches yawning like stone jaws, strung from shore to shore across the Connemaw, looking to travelers on approaching trains like a kind of monument to all the things that had made the city prosper. Commerce, locomotion, the willingness of men to quarry stone, carry it, and shape it. By 1889, the city and its surrounding boroughs, East Connemaw, Woodvale, Morrowville among them, had quivered into bright life and filled that level flood plain at the bottom of the valley, a valley that deepened steadily and quickly from the higher points along the Allegheny Mountains, from the reservoir and the South Fork Dam. It was fifteen miles from the Earth Dam to the Stone Railroad Bridge. The elevation dropped by about four hundred and fifty feet. Thus the hills that surrounded the city, Laurel Hill, Prospect Hill, were exceptionally high and rose with the suddenness of walls, so steep that to look at them was enough to make one breathless. To climb them required strong legs, sturdy shoes, and a willingness to rest, panting on a rock or leaning on a tree. So deeply sheltered and surrounded was the sight that it was as if nature's true intent had been to hide the place, to keep men from it, to let the mountains block the light and the trees grow as thick and gnarled as the thorn-dense vines that inundated Sleeping Beauty's castle. Perhaps, some would say, years later, that was central to all that happened, that it was a city that was never meant to be. Memorial Day, 1889 Nature's law is that all things change and turn and pass away. Marcus Aurelius, Meditations, Book 12, Number 21 Frank Fallon lay awake after a night of dozing, waking, dozing again, a night of restlessness, a night of decisions. Each of the two bedroom windows of his house on Vine Street was open to crack, just enough to let in the first spring air. May nights in the mountains. Air with a freshness to it. As if, finally, it really was going to bring a change of seasons. As if it might bring rain. Frank's hands were clasped behind his head, his eyes long grown accustomed to the silver-blue darkness. Eight years in this house, he knew it well, the way the floorboard creaked on the third stair, the nighttime sound of brick and plaster sighing and settling into itself. There was a porch and parlor, three good-sized bedrooms, a bay window in the dining room. A sycamore tree stood grandly in the backyard, bringing welcome shade in the summer, 
Wayward branches touched the house possessively. Downstairs, Frank knew, the pies Julia made at midnight sat on the kitchen table, and fat lemons filled a glass bowl, waiting to be squeezed. The iron skillet had already been placed on the stovetop, and on its seasoned surface chicken would be fried as soon as dawn broke, so it had time to cool before the parade and picnic. It seemed an odd thing to him, the idea of picnicking at the cemetery, an old rough blanket spread across the graves. But that's exactly the point, Julia always reminded him. Memorial Day, she said, a day for being with him, for remembering the dead. As if anything about Frank's life allowed him to forget. From downstairs he heard the sound of the piano. Julia, restless too, trying to ease herself to pass the night by playing. It was one of the first things he had given her, four years after they were married. He knew that she had had one as a girl in Illinois, a rosewood chicken.